We the ones. We the ones they talking about. Broadway Sports Media. Justin and Justin Titans podcast show. Some of it was bad, but hopefully you'll you probably piece something together. Outstanding. There's an earthquake in the middle of the podcast. Unbelievable. We're begging for listeners. That's all we do. We all we got. Hey, Titans on three. One, two, three. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Music City Audible podcast brought to you by Broadway Sports Media, partnered with 440 Sports. I am Justin Graver. Joining me, as always, is Justin Mello. We are here now. This week, we're going to talk about the Titans' undrafted free agent class one by one. Not official yet, by the way, as of this recording, but we know the reports are in, so we can we can go through these names. Justin, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing well. Excited to cover these UDFAs. Uh, excited to talk about some of the news that happened on Monday morning slash afternoon. And I've got a unique perspective on these UDFAs a little bit, and I'll get into that here as we start to go through them. That's right. This is probably the number one source for info on the UDFAs, not to toot our own horn. That's I'm more complimenting you than myself because I know nothing, but this will be great to, to dive into. 13 undrafted free agents as of this recording that have been reported. NFL.com has a list up right now of every team's undrafted free agent signings, and they only have five listed for the Titans. That's like the official, official list, so it, it hasn't all been released yet, and eventually Jim Wyatt will post something on Titan TennesseeTitans.com that's like every undrafted free agent. That's probably coming really soon, right? Because they're they're expected there later this week. Like, right. I believe they're flying out. in potentially on Thursday to Nashville, so right. I imagine Jim will let that go soon. Starts on Friday, right? Uh, correct. Yeah. So that could be up by the time this podcast is up. We will see. But uh, we're going to go through the names we have here on this pod. But yes, first, as you mentioned, some news came out about uh, the schedule. So Thursday, 5 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Central, the NFL will release with their schedule release show the 2022 NFL schedule. Now, we already know all the teams the Titans will play this year, home and away. But we don't know what week they will be played. And we don't know what primetime games the Titans are going to have. However, we do know one primetime game. Week two, Monday Night Football, doubleheader. The Titans will go to Buffalo on ESPN. And about an hour and a half after the Titans kick off, the Eagles and Vikings will kick off on ABC, which is weird that they're doing the doubleheaders at the same time. But I think as we sit here in May, at least in my opinion, Titans-Bills is a way better matchup than Vikings-Eagles. Um, I mean, you're talking about two powerhouse AFC teams versus two like maybe they'll contend for the playoff teams in the NFC. So really interesting, really cool. We know the Titans played at uh, in Nashville against Buffalo on Monday Night Football last year, and they played in Nashville against Buffalo on what was sort of Monday Night Football on like a Tuesday, I think it was, it was uh, the, year be- yeah. the year before that. So it's cool that they're keeping this little tradition going, Titans, Bills, in prime time. What do you think? Three years in a row. And remember, the Titans dominated that first one. I think it was 42-16. Yeah. No one gave them a chance, right, because of the COVID outbreak. I think that was like T.R. Tart's first game, like a lot of those <laughs> UDFAs. And T.R. Tart turned into a good player, right? That was the first chance he had, I, I think, to play for the team. And Malcolm Butler had two interceptions, I believe, of Josh Allen. Read him like a book, right? Totally baited him into those throws. remember seeing a clip of him on the sideline saying, I'm, I'm going to get a pick on this next drive. <laughs> and he just he makes it happen. Malcolm Butler, the legend that he is. 
Uh, that was a, a terrific game because, again, no one gave Tennessee a chance. Comeback last year, one of, the, one of the most entertaining games in a while, right? 34-31, Derrick Henry has three touchdowns, broke off that, like, 60-something yard touchdown run, I believe it was. And then you got the Josh Allen getting stuffed on, on fourth and inch. I don't think it was fourth and goal. I think it was fourth and inches. Right. Um, uh, with Jeffrey Simmons stuffing him there at the end to confirm the victory, a 34-31 victory. So two really good games. It feels like the Bills – I shouldn't say they can't beat the Titans because they beat them the year before that. And I think the year before that in a couple of awful games, right? Titans missed five field goals, yada, yada. Another one where that was the Nick Williams drop game, right? Where he drops the the open touchdown. So can't say that they they can't beat them, but um, Titans have had their number over the last two years. Buffalo's going to be really hungry for this one. And don't forget, Roger Saffold will be playing against the Titans. David, David Kissenberry, you know, probably won't be starting, but he'll be playing against the Titans. So a lot of fun storylines going into that one. Exciting that it's week two, and I might be there. I'm, I'm thinking I'll probably head to that game. Ooh. It's pretty pretty close for me to head over, so I can make a, make a day of it and come back the same day, So, which is yeah. weird being that it's a different country, right, which is kind of funny to think of. But <laughs> uh, I'm probably going to head to that one. And, by the way, it also tells you, Titans will probably be playing at home week one. We don't know that for sure yet, but you, you would think it's you're hopeful, right? That they're not starting with two road games. Yeah, it's happened before. You we have see, we see teams have their home opener week three, yeah, absolutely, somewhat often. But yes, it would be nicer to to see Spe- them get a home. Speaking game of schedule, one. comes out later this week, so you know we'll definitely have a lot of uh, you know content for you uh, regarding the schedule on next week's episode. Yeah, that's right. Next week we'll have rookie mini camp to discuss, and we will oh, have yeah. the schedule to dive into. Look at how much the Titans are traveling, when they have to travel, how far they're traveling in a row, road games, bye week, all that fun stuff will be broken down next week. This episode, we are talking about the UDFA class. However, we did have one other tiny bit of news. Cornerback Greg Mabin has signed a deal to return to Tennessee. Whether or not he makes the final roster is TBD, but he will be in OTAs coming up in a few weeks, and he will be at uh, he will be in training camp for sure, adding another body to a pretty deep and crowded cornerback room. Any thoughts here on Greg Mabin that are worth spending time on? Well, they, they must like Greg Mabin because I wish I kept count. This got to be, what, his 12th stint in Tennessee or something ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, spent time on the practice squad in 2020. He was on and off. 2021, spent some time on the practice squad on and off. Everyone remembers, or most of you probably remember, played in that game against Kansas City, that dominant uh, victory over Kansas City in late October. He played 100% of defensive snaps in that game. I don't remember who was injured in that contest. I mean, they've had so many guys in and out of the lineup last year. Obviously, a lot of guys were injured. I, I would assume if Maven had to play 100% of snaps in that one. Uh, played a great game, right? It was really funny to see a guy come up like that and make the most of his opportunity against a, a passing offense like Kansas City, right? Patrick Mahomes and Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey and all that. So uh, maybe his back look, it's great to have him in training camp. He knows the coaches, knows the defense, knows the system, knows the majority of his teammates in that room. Of course, not many new additions there outside of really just Roger McCreary, right? He, he probably would have been around when Buster Screen was there. So knows right. the teammates, knows everybody there. Um, excited for him. He'll get to battle for a spot on the final roster, right? Nothing's guaranteed here. It certainly doesn't mean that he's going to make this team with certainty. But you certainly like the chances of him at least getting a practice squad spot probably at the end of it all. Right, yeah. Keep somebody around, like you said, knows the defense and who played well in in the stints he was forced into action last year. The Titans have such a deep secondary now, a cornerback room after drafting McCreary and bringing back Buster Screen that it's it's 
cool. I mean, it's just nice, exciting to think that they could survive one or two injuries in that room and and still field a, a good defense. And when everyone's healthy, they're going to field probably a great defense. I would guess probably a top five defense in the NFL. And speaking of a deep cornerback room, the first undrafted free agent we're going to talk about here is a cornerback from Georgia Tech, Trey Swilling. What do you know about the 6'1", 196-pounder out of Georgia Tech? Yeah, Swilling started all 12 games at corner in 2021. This is a guy that leaves Georgia Tech after appearing in 42 games, 40 starts. You know, this is a really interesting kid. Uh, his father actually played in the NFL, right? A long time ago, none of our listeners will probably remember, but Pat Swilling was a five-time Pro Bowl defensive end, led the NFL in sacks in 1991, also wow. won Defensive Player of the Year that season. So this is a really interesting kid. And Had a pretty a good team, play. First team, all pro, first team All-Pro that year as well. Yeah, absolutely, right? His Defensive Player of the Year. Had a pretty good pro day at Georgia Tech. 37-inch vertical, ran the three-cone in 6.81 seconds. Um, which is, you know, pretty, pretty great result. The 40 time, I can't recall what it is off the top of my head, but it was a little bit disappointing. Uh, I recall, I know the 40 time was slightly disappointing. I I got to speak to him recently. I I spoke with Trey, by the way, a guy, I am doing an interview series for our listeners on this UDFA class. I've already spoken to eight or nine of these kids. So I do have got a a lot of information. I won't tell you everything because you'll have to head to Broadway and read the interviews when they start releasing. But I will say I'm getting some really, really interesting tidbits on how the Titans sort of courted these guys throughout the pre-draft process. I'm hearing so many different stories. You know, one guy's telling me, oh, well, you know, I met John Robinson at my pro day. Another guy's telling me I never even spoke to the coaching staff. You know, a national scout stood on the table for them to sign me after the draft and all kinds of unique experience. One guy told me Mike Rabel was the only head coach in the league that called me, you know, and that's why I signed with them. Um, over the other suitors that I had. So really interesting series. I'm learning a lot, but uh, back to Trace Willing, really good, smart kid, loves to compete. He told me, look, I, you know, I know they, they drafted a couple DBs, but that doesn't bother me. I'm a competitor. So uh, re- really interesting kid, uh, has learned so much from his father. He told me some incredible stories in that interview about the lessons his father's taught him, what, you know, having a the former defensive player of the year as your mentor and your dad. So uh, really interesting kid, exciting, exciting to see him get there um to training camp to rookie mini camp again 42 career appearances 40 starts so a lot of experience here yeah so exciting to see if he can crack the uh the room in the cornerback room maybe end up on the practice squad because as we were just talking about it's a deep cornerback room you would think he probably doesn't stand too good a chance to actually make the final roster but with his pedigree and background you never know he, he could send he could make some noise in camp Let's move on to our next guy, Haskell Garrett, defensive lineman from Ohio State. Titans have obvious ties to Ohio State after Mike Vrabel played football there and started his coaching career there, but never had they drafted an Ohio State player until Nicholas Petit Frere this year. So that's just an interesting tidbit. They had signed UDFAs out of Ohio State before. Kicker Blake Halbiel last offseason, who ended up not making the team, but... This is another Ohio State kid, Nicholas Petit Frere's teammate last year who joins the team. Do you know anything about Haskell Garrett? 
Well, it's funny. I actually interviewed Haskell uh, for the draft network um, before uh, before the draft. Of course, I did not know uh, he was going to be a Titan. Uh, certainly an exciting guy. You know, he returned for a fifth season in 2021, uh, recorded career highs almost, you know, across the board, you know, in sacks, five and a half sacks, seven tackles for loss. So that was big. You know, he spent a lot of time, of course, uh, before, prior to 2021 behind a lot of good players, right, on that Ohio State defensive line. He mentioned guys like Draymond Jones and and, and Devon Hamilton, who, of course, both gone to the NFL. So, uh, you know, he was a first step vertical penetration kind of guy. That's what uh, his coaches asked of him. The teammates that he sat behind before, that's sort of what he watched them do. So uh, really excited for him. This guy's overcome a ton of adversity, right? I'm not going to go into it, but, uh, you know, he suffered from a gunshot wound at one point while, while trying Whoa. to break up, uh, uh, I believe it was a domestic issue. So he's trying to do the right thing and, 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 you know, be a good person and break something up. And he ends up, uh, unfortunately, you know, uh, paying for that that, uh, you know, terribly, but this guy worked so hard to get back on the field, a uh, really, you know, good kid who obviously, you know, preaches doing the right thing. A lot of experience at, at Ohio state, so many years in that program, uh, you know, a defense, they, they ran a four, three there. They were set up to stop the run when they went into a, a third downs that, you know, they ran a lot of hybrid three, fours, five, two looks on, on third and obvious passing situations. So uh, I'm a fan of the player. Yeah. Yeah. He's spoken with so many teams you know, throughout the pre-draft process, he told me teams like the Cowboys and the Seahawks and the Raiders, the Bengals, the Vikings, they all had so much interest in him. So it's really nice to see Tennessee land this kid. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's funny, uh, NFL.com had him ranked as the number one UDFA option as an interior defensive lineman as after the draft concluded. He was a team captain for the Buckeyes last year. And unlike the cornerback room, I think there could be space for one or two undrafted free agents to make the roster at this position group. Lorel Murchison has not, you know, shown a whole lot since arriving in Tennessee. Obviously, Naquan Jones and Tier Tart are great as the no kind of nose tackle role. You have Jeffrey Simmons and Danico Autry in obvious passing situation roles and as your leaders of the defensive line, but a fifth defensive lineman could crack that group here, and it could be one of these UDFAs that we're talking about, Haskell Garrett or the next guy on my list here. But uh, do you think he stands a chance to make this roster? Yeah, I think you bring up a good point with Laurel Murchison, right? I think that's really the spot that could be up for grabs. I mean, uh, this, this is a deep group of D linemen, right? Of course, you know, I, I feel comfortable saying, of course, Jeffrey Simmons, Dina Kowatri. I, I would even go, you know, T.R. Tart, Naquan Jones. I think all four of them are locks, right? Agreed. Uh, I think sure. the first three are obvious with Tart. And I think, you know, Naquan really played his way into a, a bit of a you know rotational role last year. So I feel pretty good saying if Naquan Jones is healthy, he's a lock. So there may only be one spot up there for grabs, right? And Real Murchison might have to, you know, wrangle it away from one of these UDFAs because that's not the only one right there. There's a couple other D linemen here, yeah. several of them actually. So uh, I do think you bring up a good point that that spot could be up for grabs. And I think any of these UDFA linemen who we're also about to get into, uh, they probably have a shot to, to, to win that last spot possibly. Yep, and one of the other guys is next on my list here, Jaden Peavy out of Texas A&M, um, a mammoth of a man, six foot five, three hundred and eight pounds. What do you know about Peavy? Yeah, I mean, pretty productive guy. You know, first of all, played at a big school, of course, Texas A&M. One hundred and thirty-seven total tackles, nineteen tackles for loss, seven and a half sacks. So, um, you know, fairly productive. Certainly not a, a sack artist by any stretch of the imagination, given how many years he spent at the program. But the numbers are there. You know, some of the production is there. Um, you know, built a really strong relationship with Titans defensive line coach Torrell Williams throughout the process, uh, as he told me. It's funny. 
he played for um, uh, Coach Elijah Robinson at Texas A&M. I'm starting to find the longer you know you're in this business, the more you start to recognize names <laughs> and the more connections you have. You know, he started. He brought him up on promptly. He goes, uh, he goes. I played for you know Elijah Robinson. He really liked the Titans as a fit for me. I, well, as soon as he said that to me, I said Elijah Robinson. Why the hell does that sound so familiar to me? I, I, I even asked him at one point, I was incorrect. I'm like, did, did he work for the Titans, Elijah Robinson? He goes, no, I don't believe he did. And I, I Googled Elijah Robinson, Justin Mello. Cause I'm like, I know this name somehow. <laughs> I interviewed him in 2017 when uh, he was coaching, I believe at, uh, at Temple when Hassan Reddick was there. So after Hassan Reddick got drafted, I did a piece with coach Robinson um, talking about Hassan Reddick for the USA Today draft wire back when I was, you know, still kind of, uh, you know, w- over there, certainly a long time ago. And what did I do? I, I grabbed my phone. I go, look, I got coach Robinson's number. Let me see if it's the same. I shot him a text said, Hey, just got off the phone with Jaden Peavy. And he, and you know, it's funny. Coach Robinson goes, Oh, the Hassan Reddick piece. Hell yeah. I remember, I remember you, Justin, like I was, Peavy's a great kid and he's going to do great in Tennessee. I told him to go down there. So uh, oh, wow. really, yeah, really. And it's true. Actually. Hey, Peavy, Jaden Peavy told me he was, you know, coach Robinson said, uh, Tennessee is the best place for you. You know, I, I think out of all the coaches I've spoken to, I really liked what the Titans had to say. So uh thought that was an easy, uh, another interesting tidbit for you. Uh, who, you know, has been training Jaden PV sort of throughout this process a little bit, uh, pre-draft process, putting him through drills, really serving as a mentor. He called him a big brother. His former Tennessee Titans defensive lineman, Sean Smith. You guys might oh, remember yeah. Sean Smith was a big old nose tackle, played for the Kansas City Chiefs, played in some other places. We had him on the pod once, I think, a previous pod we used to do. That wasn't this pod, yeah. Yeah, it wasn't Music <laughs> City Audible, but we had Sean Smith on there. So Sean Smith's been training this kid. Uh, and he's got glowing. I, you know, I had a private conversation with, with, with Mr. Smith and he's got glowing things to say about this kid really likes him a lot. Really impressive. Talked about the first step explosiveness and some of the things he can do. So this is what I mean when I say one of these D linemen can come in and do something. This is another one of those kids that'll have that chance. PV batted down eight passes in his career and also blocked four kicks. He's got really long arms. So yeah, he could definitely be an interesting candidate to make the roster. I'm sure we'll hear more about him during training camp and preseason. Looking at our next guy, another defensive lineman, but this guy more outside linebacker style, David Anini from Houston, 6'2", 245 pounds. Do you know anything about this guy? So funny, David and Ninny, interestingly enough, again, similar to Haskell Garrett. I, I haven't had a chance to sit down with him. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I don't want to say recently. I mean, not this week, but I did sit down with him the week before the draft, uh, mm-hmm. David and Ninny. I got to speak to him uh, for the draft network for that, you know, interview series that I do there. Interesting guy, you know, very versatile, 20 and a half career sacks. Um, at Houston throughout five years there. So, and the interesting thing is it was super consistent. If you go look up his numbers, he never had a year where he had eight, nine, 10 sacks. He had four or five sacks every year, essentially, since he got there. So very consistent, you know, played with so many talented defensive linemen there. Peyton Turner, of course, Logan Hall, who, uh, you know, just got drafted uh, this past year. Peyton Turner, or this past April, of course. Peyton Turner being a first-round selection last year, surprise selection. Really interesting kid. You know, I, I think he was one of my top uh, you undrafted free agents that were available that that uh, are pass rushers. You know, I, I really liked him. Great coaching staff there at Houston. I knew the Dallas Cowboys were high on this kid, and they were super interested in him. Uh, he wow. chose to go to Tennessee. You know, they showed interest in him throughout the pre-draft process as well, of course, uh, the Titans did. So I, I really like David Anini. Played the past four years with Logan Hall. 
as I said. He had top 30 visits with the Cowboys, the Vikings, uh, met with the Houston Texans. I believe he needed a 30 to the Bengals. Uh, the Eagles, Cardinals had him in uh, for virtual visits through Zoom. Uh, at the pro day, what was 34-inch arms, 250 pounds, 466, 40-yard dash, 37-and-a-half-inch vertical, 123-inch broad. I mean, he's a really good athlete. And from what I gathered, teams weren't surprised with the athletic testing. Like, it fits the tape. So, really good athlete. Uh, again, about 6'2", 6'3", 250 pounds. Uh, I'm excited for him. I, I think when he gets there, gets a chance. Um, to show you the pass rush arsenal, I asked him about his go-tos. He said the chop, dip, and rip is his go-to mm -hmm. move. A ton of confidence in his arsenal. He's a speed guy at the end of the day, though. You know, first step explosiveness, the speed to turn the corner, uh, win the edge. I, I, I like him a lot, man. I really do. Him and this next guy we're going to talk about kind of remind me profile-wise of someone like Derek Roberson, who stuck around a little bit with the Titans and now is currently a, a free agent. But let's talk about Sam Okuano. Outside linebacker from Maryland, a little on the smaller side, 6'1", 269 pounds, but another incredible athlete. Do you know anything about the Maryland edge rusher? Absolutely. You, I mean, you should know I do. Absolutely. I actually got to sit down with this guy just a couple of days ago. This kid is really interesting. And I mean, I, like, I'm not going to lie. I know I'm getting excited about all these kids, and I, I really am for good reason. But this one may have the majority of my curiosity uh, really good year in 2021 for Maryland, 55 total tackles, six sacks, really, you know, was really productive this past year, took a huge step forward, and his story is unbelievably inspiring, man. This guy was born in Liberia in the, you know, uh, and had to grow up there as a young child in the middle of a civil war. It was terrible. More than 250,000, excuse me, innocent people uh, were killed during that civil war. It was awful. Uh, you know, he had to witness so many horrors that, that no child should ever have to witness. When I interviewed him, we talked we talk about that. We talked about his mom, his aunt, working so hard to just try to find safe passage to America. He told me the story about landing uh, at Boston. That's where they first uh, came to from Liberia, uh, landed at, you know, Logan International in Boston, going through the emotions with him of that moment when he first stepped foot onto American soil and looked outside. Imagine coming from just uh, an unfortunately terribly, you know, a poor country that's being ravaged by civil war, stepping out into a, an airport in a major, right, Boston, to me, one of the nicest cities in America, certainly a metropolitan city, very similar to where I live in Toronto, in my opinion, that big city, you know, eastern city feel, and looking out on the, the city skyline and all the tall buildings and the skyscrapers and just being blown away by what you're seeing in front of you, so... This guy's got an unbelievable story. I also think he's a really good football player. It's not just a story. And I went, we went way more in depth than what I just told you. So when that interview drops, you make sure you guys read it. Cause really, really touching. I, I, I was really touched by his story. Started out at Juco again, you know, a kid obviously started playing football a little older based on his journey, um, had to acclimate a little, started at Juco, ended up working his way to Maryland. Huge year in 2021, like I said, six sacks. I really like him. I think you'll be impressed with the connections he built with the Titans throughout this pre-draft process. As you go and read about him in my interview, he really detailed who he spoke to within the organization. Um, love his pass rush arsenal, a lot of power. I think he's a really, really powerful guy. If you turn on the tape, you will see that. 
you know, uh, 270 pounds, ran the 40 and 475, right? Like that's a great time. 31 reps on the bench press, 35 and a half inch vertical, uh, uh, broad feet greater than 10 uh, feet. Like this kid was really, really, really athletic, really good. I am so excited about this kid. I really can't say it enough. And you know who else is a big fan of his? And some of you may find this interesting. Uh, I don't know if you follow the 33rd team um, on Twitter, but you absolutely should, right? It's a publication that's been started by uh, former, uh, former general managers, uh, former uh, coaches, and they actually wrote a story on him. You didn't find many stories on this kid, right, throughout the pre-draft process. They wrote it on April 30th, said, don't sleep on this kid. Really interesting story. You got uh, ex-general managers talking about him. They are super pumped uh, about him. Maryland's head coach, you know, Mike Loxley, can't say enough good things about him. So, uh, I mean, I know I won't shut up, but watch out for this kid, man. I'm pumped. <laughs> yeah, and th- there's room to crack the outside linebacker group just like there is with the with the interior defensive line group, you know, obviously Harold Landry, Bud Dupree, Ola Adaini, and Rashad Weaver in that mix, Danico Autry as well. But who's the next guy? You know, it could be anyone that takes the, the fourth or fifth spot there and, and joins the outside linebacker group and just could be someone who maybe doesn't play a lot as a rookie, but is there and on the roster. I think, I think this kid might be more of an interior player. I do think he's got that mm-hmm. Danico Autry flexibility, though, where I do think he can. Uh, lineup outside may may be more with his hand in the dirt but I mean he's athletic enough where I think he can stand up as well but uh, I like the man if there's only one spot for say him or a, a David and Ninny I mean that's gonna be a really fun battle I, and I'm, I'm I'm it's crazy to talk about it like there is gonna be a spot for a UDFA but I feel like there will be one and, and both of these guys are so excited all right let's move now to the other side of the ball and talk about the offense the Titans signed an offensive lineman from SMU Hayden Howerton, who is 6'3", 300 pounds. Know anything about Hayden Howerton? I do. I recently sat down with Hayden Howerton. Again, all these interviews are coming soon on broadwaysportsmedia.com. 55 career appearances at SMU. Long-term guy. 53 starts at guard and center. So super experienced, has played both positions, very versatile. Titans will love that about him. I should say all three positions because he can play left guard, right guard, and center. Super veteran, uh, became Mr. Dependable for them, Mr. Reliable. Really like him, played in a lot of schemes. Um, Throughout the pre-draft process, by the way, he spoke with 31 of the 32 teams. So there were a lot of teams that were interested in him, uh, took the time to speak to him. Ran a 506 in the 40, 36 reps on the bench press. I mean, the kid is athletic. He's strong. Uh, 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 you know, a respectable three comb time of 778, given his size, 32 inch vertical, which is a really good result uh, for an offensive lineman. Uh, I like the kid. You know, he's played left guard and right guard more than anything, a lot of left guard mostly, but he has played some center. They used him at center when they had injuries. So uh, intriguing kid, think he's going to come in here uh, and get a chance to compete, especially because he can play three interior positions. Another guy who plays on the offensive line out of uh, college, I can honestly say I've never heard of, Culver Stockton. His name is Andrew Rupsich. He is six foot six, three hundred eighteen pounds. He was a tackle in the NAIA level. Uh, he's got upside. What do you make of Rupsich here? Yeah, I mean, super small school guy. But I'll tell you a quick story. Uh, I knew, you know, I, I got to speak with his agent a lot throughout the pre-draft process. Unfortunately, I didn't end up, you know, him and I couldn't get our schedules lined up to sit down. I was supposed to sit down with him before the draft. It didn't end up happening, but. 
when I saw who, you know, the, the agency that he signed with, uh, an agency I, I know really well, I've done a lot of, you know, it worked with in the past, certainly featured their clients on a super consistent basis. I said, huh, you know, we got a guy from Culver Stockton here. Like, that's super interesting, right? Like, and, but hey, they, they knew exactly what they were getting in this kid. He, he was a, a draftable talent. It was a little bit surprised. I was actually slightly surprised he didn't get drafted. He was invited to the NFL Combine. I mean, what does that tell you? It's not every day a Culver Stockton kid gets invited to the Combine, right? So there was a lot of interest in him. Uh, really good on the Titans to, to end up securing his signature because I, I thought there was a pretty good chance the kid was going to get drafted based on, based on some of the pre-draft conversations I had. Wow, yeah. So maybe he will compete or be a developmental guy. Titans, obviously. And by the way, sorry, not to cut you off, but a lot of these, you know, old linemen we're talking about, um, uh, the other ones at least, they're guards and centers, right? This kid's a tackle. So I think that gives him a bit of an advantage coming in because, you know, he's sort of not going to be competing really with many. You know, I don't know. I don't even think they signed another UDFA tackle or at least one that's that I've been able to confirm. So uh, really good for him that he gets to come in potentially as the lone uh, UDFA tackle. Right, and and it's a position where the Titans don't necessarily have the future all t totally figured out. They have guys, but we'll see what happens there. Um, sticking with the offensive side of the ball, uh, the Titans signed one other guy, or two other guys that are really um, offensive players. Julius Chestnut is a running back out of Sacred Heart. I love the idea of finding UDFA running backs because I think it's very possible, but the Titans may be set at this position. What do you think of Chestnut? Yeah, this kid had an unbelievable season and going way back to 2019, more than 1,500 rushing yards, 11 touchdowns, a huge year. Now, unfortunately, 2020 was cut short due to the pandemic. And then, you know, 2021 hit, uh, he missed a couple games, came back and finished really strong but he wasn't able to reach the heights he reached in 2019. But to me, that makes him really interesting, right? Because you've seen a guy that's been able to produce more than 1,500 yards, albeit at a small school, but he's got that big production. Can you get him back to that, right? Again, 2020, of course, wasn't his fault with the pandemic. You'd be, of course, you, you can't put that on him, right? 2021 comes back, misses a couple games, but really interesting kid who was a truly unbelievable in 2019. He's another kid that I just sat with. Uh, just about a week ago. So, you know, really exciting for you to read all that. Nice. Uh, the last guy that plays offense was teammates with Howerton, Reggie Roberson, the wide receiver, also out of SMU. Uh, what do you think about this kid? Yeah, Reggie Roberson was once pretty, high, pretty highly regarded, right? Like a, a couple of years ago, he was considered a, a big-time prospect. Hasn't been able to shake the nagging injuries, unfortunately. But this is a dynamic athlete, really explosive with the ball in his hands. So you get this guy in, you get him healthy. You know, I would say he had a successful year last year. 51 catches, 625 receiving yards, six touchdowns. Played in a great SMU offense, right? They had a couple guys drafted, receiver Danny Gray, tight end Grant Calcaterra, who you may mm -hmm. remember from Oklahoma a few years ago before he he had to medically retire. So he played in a high octane offense. He played next to NFL level receivers and tight ends. And I thought he was still pretty productive. Now he thinks he's certainly capable of producing even more than that. And history suggests that he can, right? Again, a uh, really dynamic athlete, was really productive, so explosive with the ball in his hands, a run after a catch guy. So I'm really excited for him to get in there. I hope he stays healthy throughout camp. If he does, he'll probably knock on the door for a roster spot. Yeah, 21 and a half yards per catch in the 2020 season. So if he can so explosive. Re recapture that explosive ability, he could add a dynamic to the receiver room. Okay, flipping back to the defense for a couple more positions here before we get to the two specialists the Titans brought in. 
an inside linebacker from Minnesota, Jack Gibbons, six foot four, two hundred forty-five pounds. Uh, any thoughts on him? Yeah, so he goes to Minnesota this past year. Played at a small, really small school previously. I hope I don't butcher it. Uh, Abilene Christian University. Abilene, Abilene Christian, close to my hometown. I figured it sounds like a Texan school, does? No. <laughs> Abilene Christian University um, goes to Minnesota. Ninety-two tackles this past year. So talk about a guy that takes that step up in competition and proves he can live up. Ninety-two tackles, unbelievable result. Uh, really, really excited for him again to prove that he could step up, uh, you know, handle that step up in competition. Uh, really big for him. So uh, excited for him. He's got special teams ace written all over him. Another guy, again, that I interviewed. So you'll be able to read more up on him shortly. All right. We got Michael Griffin, the second, a safety out of South Dakota State. No relation to the Michael Griffin who played for the Titans. I looked that up uh, the day this came out, but do you know anything about Griffin besides that he's a incredible athlete? Yeah, I do know a little about the kid. Oh, I mean, you you kind of stole what I was going to say. He he turned a lot of heads, uh, turned a lot of heads at the pro day. Right, the numbers were astounding. Uh, I mean, forty three and a half inch vertical. It was higher than anyone at the combine. Unfortunately, he wasn't there. But my God, what a result! Four five five in the forty. People, I mean, I, I remember seeing it on Twitter when that happened to when that happened for him. I actually recognize the name because I'm like, well, people were tweeting about this kid at the pro day because it was such an eye-opening result. So re really pumped for him to see what he can do there. All right, next. Oh, you know what? I missed a guy. I, I've been saying there were 13 UDFAs. There's actually 14 because I missed the Baylor offensive lineman, Xavier Newman-Johnson. So before we get to the specialist, let's jump back to the offensive line again. Uh, have you spoken with Xavier yet? I have, actually, I have. Uh, 37 career starts at three different positions, right? Again, similar to Hayden Howerton, right? This is a guard slash center. Uh, really interesting guy. Helped spearhead a Baylor rushing offense that averaged 219.3 yards per game this past season. So again, you're getting a very experienced, versatile interior lineman here, plays guard, plays center. Might go to head-to-head -to -head with Hayden Howerton a little bit, right? You got two versatile, experienced uh, interior guys. Certainly, there's spot for only one of them. I'll say this, though. I think the Titans only have seven linemen that are locks to make the roster, right? That's Taylor Lewan, of course, the starting five. Let's pretend we know the starting five, right? Say Taylor Lewan, Jamarco Jones, uh, Ben Jones, uh, Nate Davis, Dylan Radins. That's five. I think Aaron Brewer is on this team. That's six. Nicholas Petit-Friere, that's seven. Uh, I don't know who else, right? So they're going to carry at least eight. So unless they go out and sign a veteran, which they still could, you're looking at maybe a Hayden Howerton or Xavier Newman-Johnson, or of course the, the kid from Culver Stockton, Andrew Rupsich, right? So really interesting to see how this all plays out, but I think there's a spot for one of these UDFA linemen. And Xavier Newman-Johnson will have a good chance based on the versatility, the experience. They ran a lot of outside zone at Baylor. He's super familiar with the scheme. He told me some really interesting stories about how the Titans, you know, courted him throughout the process. So uh, mm. certainly an interesting kid. Yeah, and it's it's interesting because you you say all that. There's still a chance the Titans sign a veteran uh, to play on the offensive line to start at left guard or right tackle even. So we'll see how that all shakes I, out. I'd um, start Eric Flowers. I, I'd sign Eric Flowers if I was them. Yeah, for sure, to play left guard, no doubt. I, I, I totally agree with that. So it could be one of these UDFAs. It could be a veteran that, that comes in as that eighth O line. Can I drop one last tidbit really quick? Two tidbits before I forget. They're just taking yeah. my mind out of nowhere. You might have seen my tweet. The first guy we talked about, Trey Swilling, played basketball with Christian Fulton growing up. They were on the same oh, yeah. 
prep travel team. It's incredible. It was actually coached by Trey Swilling's father, who we talked about earlier, Pat Swilling. Uh, they were called like, they had this funny name where it was actually Swilling was in the basketball, was in their name because the father kind of launched the team and coached it and everything. Uh, it was, was pretty funny. I'm trying to track it down now. It just, it's just escaped me, but Oh, the Swilling storm. That's what it was. The Swilling storm. So there's all these great pictures. Uh, I had tweeted the other day of Christian Fulton and Trace Swilling together growing up. The families have remained so close that after Trace Swilling signed with the Titans, Christian Fulton went to go visit his family in person. Oh, wow. After the draft. So that tells you how close these families are, the Fultons and the Swillings. Uh, one last thing I'll, I'll tidbit before we cover the last three UDFAs I believe we have is uh, Sam Okwanu, the, the defensive lineman out of Maryland, um, of course, played with uh, new tight end, uh, Chagosim Okwanu, right? The tight end, the Titans drafted. So they're coming into Maryland together. And people forget the other linebacker the Titans drafted, Chance Campbell, played at, uh, played at Maryland before transferring to Ole Miss for the chance Campbell was only at Ole Miss for 2021. So he played at Maryland with Okwanu and, uh, 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 and Sam. So the three of them all coming in together from Maryland, they all FaceTimed after that, you know, uh, Sam signed as a UDFA. So really interesting brotherhood there as well. Yeah, that's, that's great knowledge there. And uh, one last thing on the two interior O-line that guys that have experience at center, is that the Titans have potentially drafted some O-linemen of the future, right? Obviously, Nate Davis, assuming that the Titans re-sign him after this last year of his deal and uh, his rookie deal. And Nicholas Petit-Frere is probably a future tackle. Raidens is a future tackle or guard. They don't have a center of the future. So you wonder if one of these two um, undrafted free agent guys or maybe Aaron Brewer establishes himself yeah. in that role, but... But they're definitely going to be looking to develop somebody so that they know whether or not this is a hole going forward to their next few years after Ben Jones is is uh, getting too old up there to really be effective anymore. All right, let's cover the two specialists here, the last two guys we haven't talked about, starting with the Iowa kicker, Caleb Shudak. I hope I'm saying that right. Caleb Shudak, who uh, the Titans signed, he was really only a kicker at Iowa for one year, but has a big leg. Four of six from 50-plus yards. Um, we know the Titans haven't had a guy with, like, a really big leg. They've had a reliable kicker in Ryan Suckup. They went through a lot of trouble trying to find a reliable kicker. Goskowski had a good year for them. Randy Bullock was fine last year. But they don't really have, like, that franchise kicker of the future. And none of those guys I just named, as even when they were at their most reliable, had a super big leg. So you wonder if this kid from Iowa can come in and make some noise and compete uh, for the kick starting kicker job for, for the Titans. Yeah. Look, he, he, it's interesting. He only kicked in 2021, essentially. So he's a senior. He was a senior. He went 24 of 28 in 2021. That's really good, right? 85.7% uh, uh, was the fourth best, I think in school history. He, before his senior year, he only attempted one field goal ever and he missed it. It was a 52 yarder that went off an upright. So he's 24 of 29 for his career, but he's 24 of 28. Um, in 2021, I thought that was interesting. Before 2021, though, uh, he handled kickoff duties. And like in 2020, they had eight games. He handled kickoff duties in all eight games. 
right? 60.6 yards per kickoff, 51 attempts, 30 touchbacks. That was the one year he attempted a 52-yard field goal, hit the right upright, was no good. No PAT attempts, nothing. So his whole career was essentially 2021. Prior to that, he was a kickoff guy. Going back to 2019, same thing. He handled all kickoffs, 75 kickoffs, averaged 58.2 yards per kickoff, 31 touchbacks. So, uh, you know, that's good to see because a lot of these guys coming in, they don't always handle kickoff duties, right? So that'll potentially give him a lay, uh, I don't want to say a leg up, certainly not, probably not on Randy Bullock, but it gives him a chance, right? I think to at least compete and, and showcase his worth. Yep. And the, uh, the last guy we're going to talk about here is the punter the Titans signed, Ryan Stonehouse from Colorado State. He averaged 50.9 yards per punt last year, which was the second highest in the nation behind only the punt god who was <laughs> drafted by the Bills. Um, Brett Kern is still an effective punter. He's one of the best in the league with pinning guys deep in the in the coffin inside the 20, inside the 10. His average yards per punt has been decreasing slightly over the last couple of seasons. He carries a semi-large-ish cap hit, although the Titans were able to, to redo that deal this year. Do you think Stonehouse has a chance to unseat Brett Kern and if the only reason is because he has an awesome name like Stonehouse, I will accept that. Great name, even better picture. I don't know if you got to see his display picture, but he looks like a total bro. I love him. Uh, you mentioned the 50.9 yards per punt in 2021, was is astounding. He actually holds the all-time NCAA record for the most yards per punt at 47.8. And obviously that number uh, rose in 2021 because it was 50.9. So really interesting guy, right? A huge leg, obviously. Um, I asked him if he was surprised he wasn't drafted. And to be honest, he said, no, I, I wasn't because I don't think I'm the prototypical punter. I don't think I'm, I'm viewed as, quote unquote, the prototypical punter by the league. Uh, I asked him to expand on that. You'll have to read the interview that I did with him over at Broadway. That'll be releasing soon. But he had some really interesting things to say. So really excited for him. Of course, it's, it's going to be almost impossible to beat, to defeat Kern. But they did rework that deal. In the, and they, you know, truly, that's underrated, right? Like, what does that tell you? What would have happened if Kern didn't agree to rework that deal, right? They, they could have caught him, right? Like, I'm, not, I'm not saying certainly, but it was probably on the table, right? Considering they had to re, he had to rework that deal. So uh, Stonehouse will come in, he'll get some great experience. He told me he's really looking forward, you know, to competing with Brett Kern. He goes, I'm going to learn a lot from one of the best punters in the NFL. And, you know, there, some, you never know what could happen, right? And he might even be able to get a practice squad spot, right? Nowadays, because of COVID, some teams were carrying kickers and punters and uh, on what's an expanded practice squad, right? I believe it's 16-man practice squad right. nowadays. So you never know what could happen. I was just going to say that because we saw what happened to the Titans when Trevor Daniel had to come in and punt and shank kicks out of bounds and, like, right. turned a game that the Titans had a chance to win against the Colts and – it's not his fault that they lost, but he certainly didn't help the cause. So you never know. Uh, I do think that as we look here at this class as a whole now, wrapping up this pod, a few of these guys have a chance. I mean, all of them have a chance. They're not all going to make it, obviously. But there's a chance for two or three even, I think, which would be a high number of, of these UDFAs to crack the roster or at least make the practice squad and and stick around as guys the Titans want to develop. I think both specialists have an outside shot, although I'd still – lean towards the incumbents as the heavy favorite there. We talked about one of these outside linebackers, one of these interior defensive linemen, one of these interior offensive linemen, I think all have a chance to crack the roster. I think the wide receiver has a chance. Reggie Roberson has a chance to crack at least the practice squad. 
And then uh, definitely the inside linebackers, too, in that regard, especially if they can contribute on special teams. I think if Julius Chestnut stands a chance, it would be a, as a special teamer more than anything. But um, what are your overall thoughts on how many of these guys maybe have a chance to make the team? I'll predict at least two of them end up making it, right? I mean, first of all, I, I'll say this. I really like the chance for a, li- a lineman on both sides of the ball. I think one of these defensive linemen, whether that's – a uh, you know, the Maryland kid, whether it's David Anini from Houston, uh, Jaden Peavy, Texas A&M, I really like a defensive lineman. I also really like one of those offensive linemen, unless they go out and sign an Eric Flowers or a veteran that's definitely going to make the team. Right now, you're almost guaranteed that one of them makes it, right? Because, again, you only got seven guys that are, are really locked in there. So you're looking at this Hayden Howerton, this Andrew Rupsich, if they decide they want to tackle instead, or Xavier Newman-Johnson, right? Well, another interior guy. So uh, you really like it. I- I'm going to say at least two of these guys make the roster. Yeah, it could totally happen. And we've seen the Titans find these UDFA guys in the trenches before. Aaron Brewer, Daquan Jones, so, Tier Tart. So many of them, yeah. It happens. Even Nick Westbrook-Akine was an undrafted free agent at one point in time that the Titans found. So, yeah, there there's a chance here. Um, all right, I think that is going to cover this episode. I, I want to bring a few pieces of reading to our listeners' attention before we sign off today. There's a lot going on on broadwaysportsmedia.com, and some of these articles deserve your attention. We got Mike Herndon to come out of a brief – to briefly uh, suspend his retirement – uh, writing a pretty long and well-thought-out piece uh, basically on the Titans draft class as a whole, going in-depth on each selection, talking about the A.J. Brown trade. I highly recommend you give that a look. Going back a little bit further, um, over the weekend, Easton Freeze had a great article about how the Titans are not rebuilding and they're not contending. They're doing both at the same time. They're going to try to keep contending while doing like a a low-key rebuild in the background. And if it works out, the Titans could be uniquely positioned to compete this year and and stay competitive for the future without having to go through one of those killer seasons that the team is just unwatchable and ends up with a top 10 pick. The Titans could avoid that. And then I'm going to shout your article out that you teased on the last pod covering the – just your thoughts on the selection of Roger McCreary, how the title of the article is great. Titans cornerback Roger McCreary may not address positional need, but does address need for good players. I thought you made a lot of good points about having a deep secondary and how important that is in that article. So make sure you're all heading over to broadwaysportsmedia.com and, and checking out what's going on because there is some really good content there. Um, any last words you want to say about the Broadway, about this draft class before we sign off uh, until next week? Well, thank you for that. Um, I forgot about the McCreary piece. So I've done so much since then. None of it's published yet that that's already in the, in the back <laughs> of my mind. But I really enjoyed writing that McCreary piece. So I hope you guys really just got my thoughts out. I had a lot of thoughts. If you read it, it's a pretty long piece. But uh, appreciate that. And it was so great to see Mike. Uh, come back to to write that article. Uh, Mike's like the Godfather three, right? Just when you think they're out, they pull you back in, right? That, <laughs> Mike can't stay away for too long. So I, I really enjoyed reading that as well from Mike. I actually have to finish it. I think I got within the final pick and I had to uh, stop momentarily, but I'm going to tease one last thing since made it to the end of the episode. You deserve to know this. Uh, I am so unbelievably excited. I'm going to be sitting down with Malik Willis's quarterbacks coach, 
coach Sean McAvoy, who has been training Malik throughout this entire pre-draft process, was with him on draft weekend when the unfortunate slide happened. If you read the piece in The Athletic, if you haven't yet, I recommend it, where uh, coach McAvoy actually talks a lot about the mindset of Malik throughout the weekend. I'm so excited to sit down with Coach McAvoy. Uh, not to toot my own horn, I promise it's going to be a really good piece. I've done a few of these in the past. I did one with uh, the Buffalo Bills quarterbacks. Uh, sorry, the, uh, when Josh Allen got drafted way back when, I did one with the my Wyoming coach at the time. So uh, I've interviewed a lot of these quarterback coaches. I have some really exciting questions I'm prepared to ask. I think that piece is going to be really pique the interest of Titans fans. Um, look for that within the next week. And look for how many did I tease on here? Maybe nine or 10 undrafted free agent interviews that I've done. We're going to start releasing those one by one. I also interviewed the draft pick, uh, Theo Jackson, out of Tennessee. One we didn't talk about tonight, of course, because we're talking about UDFAs, but that one is coming soon as well. So, so much content. Hopefully, I'm, I'm going to figure some things out, but potentially starting sometime later in the week, might start running these one by one. You might just see them for the next 10, 11 days from there. Nice. Yeah. And you mentioned that Malik Willis piece, a, a really great read by Jeff Howe in The Athletic from a few days ago. I would go find that if you haven't read it yet. All right, that will do it for this episode. Make sure you're following us on Twitter, Justin at Justin M underscore NFL. I am at Titans Film Room. Next week, we will be back. We will talk about the schedule. We'll talk about rookie minicamp and whatever else happens. Our next episode is 99. So we're two away from, from turning 100 years old. Not years old. Episodes old? Yeah, whatever. Uh, so that's an exciting time for the Music City Audible. But make sure you guys are checking out, like I said, broadwaysportsmedia.com. Lots of good stuff there. Lots of good stuff to come. We will be back next week. Until then, you all stay safe out there and tighten up. A Broadway Sports Media Production.